Hi, cutie booties. How are you? This is such a nice episode. Today, we're talking with Jill Tranquilla. Honestly, she is such a breath of fresh air. She's a creative, she's a generating manifester, and she is deconstructed. So if you identify with any one of those things, you're going to love her. And if you don't, you're going to learn something from her. We had such a vulnerable, open conversation about struggles, fears, deconstructing. And I have not had a conversation in a really long time with someone who owns their shit and is so grounded like Jill. This blew me away. I was so happy to have this conversation. Full disclosure, we recorded this three months ago at the end of June. And that was a long time ago. And much like Aaron alluded to in the intro for Mel's episode, Aaron and I are in very different places than we were when we recorded this episode. So to have this coming out right now, it's actually such a sweet spot. It's very I don't know, Easter eggy, life lesson-y, like great reminder just of like where we were, where we are, where we're going. I hate sounding cryptic and I really don't want this to be like an I know something you don't know type situation, but I highly recommend you come back next week for our solo episode. We have some big announcements, big things going on, and we'll be kind of describing in more detail the things that we've been alluding to in the last couple of interviews that like we said were recorded so long ago but for now let's dive into Jill okay she shares her deconstruction journey and she shares some fears that were instilled in her that she's still actively working to overcome or rewrite She owns some shit and her and Aaron actually have a really candid conversation about the positions of power that they held and how they feel that that impacted them and the people that they were mentoring at the time. It's a really beautiful conversation and I think this will resonate with a lot of people. And then in the after party, Aaron and I again have a very candid conversation about her sharing her faith spirituality journey. I do push back on her a little bit and challenge her a little, nothing too terribly new there. Uh, And I know that we did cover some of this in Aaron's birthday episode, which again, that was recorded after this episode. So some of it is backdated a little bit, but it's definitely a little bit more insight into Aaron's thought process and where she's at, where she's been at uh, with wanting to share this. And as she mentioned in her birthday episode, she did not want to touch on it again after that. And I think that this after party explains why in more detail. So if you have ever experienced deconstruction, if you're going through deconstruction, if you are making any major changes in your life just in general, give yourself a hug, maybe grab a notebook. Jill is so gentle and kind and graceful and so eloquent. She's such an amazing speaker. So let's dive into it. I know you're going to get something out of this. Here we go. Hello, I am so excited. Two of my favorite people in the virtual room. Jill, welcome. How are you? Oh my God. Thanks for having me. I'm good. How are you? So good. We're so excited that you are here. I always feel so special when like two of my friends get to meet from like totally different like 
life circumstances and stories and backgrounds and like this is the perfect avenue for it and so (laughs) I have the privilege of knowing a bit about you but if you can just share with all of us who is Jill? Oh my god such a loaded question but thanks for asking it's always an honor for people to ask that um, I think the identifiers that I'm currently going with are artist, designer, photographer, but me at my core, I am a very caring, soft little cookie. I just love people and being around community. And yeah, I grew up in Calgary, Alberta. Um, I grew up very involved in the church and then over the past couple of years, I left the church. Um, and then, yeah. During the daytime, I'm a creative, can't get enough of creating, can't stop, won't stop. (laughs) I love it. I'm very, very interested in these creative processes that you go on. But as Erin mentioned, you guys Mm -hmm. are pals. You guys go back a little bit. So I want to hear, Jill, from your perspective, like, how did you and Erin meet? Like, where, how Mm -hmm. do you guys know each other? Where do you align? These types of things. That's such a great question. So Erin and I met in a different chapter of my life when I was a different person, and she may have been as well, um, at a church in Calgary here. And it was at the pinnacle of my time feeling really involved in that culture. Um, I was really interested in being a mentor for Um, kids in a youth program. And I had worked with some of the girls um, from the church in the summer. And then I was invited kind of to join the youth program at this church. And that's where I met Erin. And everything feels like a fever dream because it was such a long time ago. But I remember that um, Aaron and I, we had like some crossover, but not a ton. It wasn't until I came down to Vancouver maybe a year or so ago, um, and I was on my Instagram stories, and I was like, I'm going coming to Vancouver, and Aaron had moved there already, and she offered to come and pick me up from the airport, but she lived in Chilliwack, so I was just like, oh yeah, like that would be amazing, but I had no no idea that you were going to venture so far to come get me, and like I can't believe it to this day, because I was like, I don't feel like I know Erin very well, like I shot your wedding <laughs> um, a long time ago, but I was like, I don't know, I don't know you so well, but I would love to make that connection, and um, we went to Tacofino, and we t- chatted about everything that we had commonalities with and there was just so much crossover and then we've become really good friends ever since so special I'm so happy like your rendition of it is similar to mine I was like I don't know if like this is right for you (laughs) no this is perfect and like even hearing you you're right I don't know I remember you posting that you were coming and it was like as if we were best friends I was like of course I just have to go and pick her up and there was something that was like drawing you to me that I was like we have to spend this time together and so much has kicked off since then and so I'm wondering Jill if you can and you briefly touched on it if you can paint like the bigger picture because in Mm -hmm. a lot of ways like when we first intersected like that was my first like personal church experience right obviously I was dating Jesse at the time and so I was kind of coming in and like Mm -hmm. meeting all of you because of him but you have like a much bigger background in the church and Christianity and that can you share with us about that journey for you oh my gosh yes I'm gonna rush you through like the past 25 years and give you the cold note highlights because it's 
it's a lot. It's like a compounding amount of events that happened. But foundationally, I grew up in um, a Mennonite family. So I had a very peacemaking, loving style version of the church. Um, Very soft and light. It was like not like light Christian, but it was just like fluffy, if that makes sense. Um, So I was a part of that for a long time. For years, my identity was really wrapped up in my community, which was heavily involved with um, camp counseling. And I was a part of a leadership program for years in my adolescence that was really conditioning me to become a Christian leader in training and discipleship is what it was called. Um, So I had a lot of really strong friends there and I actually still have some of those friends in my life. We grew incredibly close. Um, We were taught a lot of things that in hindsight, I don't necessarily agree with, but it sparked this like really huge interest in me in chasing after these more extreme spiritual experiences because the style of um, camp I was at was non-denominational, so there wasn't a lot of really spiritually woo things happening, but I did end up working at other camps, one of them being one that was tied to the church that Aaron and I both attended um, that was more Pentecostal, and there was a lot of wild things happening there, and I was just fully chasing this. Um, I had some experiences at a different youth group where I received kind of like a psychic word, but it was like more of a prophetic word is what it was called. And I really felt seen for the first time in my life. And this was when I was 17. And I just fully was like, okay, this is it. Like I'm putting all of my energy into the church. And I really, really bought in. I also didn't really feel safe in the secular world. Like I just felt like the world was painted in such a way that Um, the church world was everything. And so, yeah, long story short is I ended up joining this really, really crazy little um, church movement that was separate. It wasn't even the one that Aaron was a part of. It was something else. And we did a lot of street ministry and the teachings there were really kind of strange. And I was having a lot of inner turmoil. Like I was having a lot of anxiety um, come up out of nowhere. And I couldn't quite identify what it was that I was feeling was wrong for me. I ended up going to YWAM, which is Youth with a Mission. It's a Bible college. And that's when things started to unravel because I was sharing um, I was sharing with them some of my concerns and doubts and they were very much like you are asking too many questions and you need to shut your mouth um, and you need to um, become like a better person. (laughs) It was, it was really, it was wild. And so then I came back home and I was really shook. I was still trying to get involved with the church. That's probably when I ended up at the church that Aaron and I were at. Um, And so it was just kind of like a gradual unraveling of things for me over a really long time. I eventually started dating a guy who was not part of the church and it was really eye-opening experience. Um, We only went on a couple dates, but we had this one night where all the cards were laid out on the table and I was like, I don't want to have sex with you. Like I also haven't had sex yet because being part of the church, that's a huge standard. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was like, I I just want to like get to know you more. And he walked out on me and it was a really interesting moment because it was was very traumatic for me, but it also started to make me think. It was like one of those moments where I was like, wait, like 
this is something I've been taught my entire life is that I need to save myself for marriage. And then finally, I have this incredible connection with this one person and he doesn't value it. And it started mm. It started to get me to think of all these things. And I started to think of all my experiences. And it was the it was the first thread that made me like rip the rest of the threads off the tapestry. Mm. Yeah, over the past couple of years, I've been recontextualizing spirituality for myself and finding myself. I don't proclaim myself to be part of that religion anymore. I know it can be great for some people, but for me, the whole picture of what I went through, it was just way too much um, for me. And here I am now, a couple of years later, feeling very strong and confident in myself for for exiting. Um, but that's kind of the Cole's note. It's a it's a big piece. It's like a lot to chew. Yeah. Wow. Thank you for sharing. That's a lot yeah. to yeah digest, like you're saying. And like, it brings up so many questions for me. Like you, oh. you have a lot of really great descriptors in there, like feeling unsafe in the secular world, feeling uncertain with the things that were happening around you, but not being able to pinpoint why being told mm-hmm. to shut your mouth. Like these are very clear descriptors. And I feel like things that like a lot of people can relate to I feel like a lot of people Mm -hmm. have been told to basically like sit down shut up be good a lot of people have felt unsafe in different situations I think everybody at some point or another has just felt confused witnessing what's going on so Mm -hmm. I guess I'm wondering how you go from those places to this place like you're saying Mm -hmm. I feel really confident in the decisions that I made and Mm -hmm. that experience that you were just describing with this boy that you were dating like I wonder how that would have affected you in a previous state, feeling unsafe Mm -hmm. in the secular world and these kinds of things. So how did you go from those places, being willing to sit down, be quiet, to being confident in your decisions and making such a major decision that like obviously doesn't align with what the people are telling you to do? Well, there's so many pieces to that. I think just for for clarity there's there was such a huge time span between when that event happened when i started to really look at things to where i am now like that happened in 2017 so we were in 2023 mm-hmm. And I really believe that people will pop into your life to mirror and show you lessons. That's something that has happened with this individual. It actually happened twice where he came back into my world for a little bit and taught me some other lessons that basically I feel like I needed these mirrors to pop up into my life to kind of show me other avenues and other experiences and to walk with me and be like, well, this actually isn't that dangerous. I am alluding to like this person came back and he's very um, spiritual and like more of a new agey sense. And there was a lot of things that I was never allowing myself to experience like tarot or even thinking about doing psychedelics. I don't know if I can say that here on this podcast, but just like thinking of worlds from different viewpoints. And so that person was such a huge mirror for me. It wasn't necessarily super healthy, but in like the work that I do with To Be Magnetic, which is a manifestation neuro, I don't know, Aaron knows all about it, but they they call this type of person who comes in like an expander and a test, um, someone who can expand you and grow you, but also maybe makes you think a bit about what are your values and what do you need. So 
that was one piece of that growth for me. The other piece was just starting to find myself and like allow myself to do things that I had not given myself permission before without the consequence of a bigger dire like story hanging over my head. Mm. Um, It really was gradual. I had such a hard time like back in 2017 when this guy had like walked out on me. I dove into purity culture stuff and I dove into am I wrong or am I weird for not having had sex by 24 I think I felt super isolated and I ended up turning to the internet and that was like a shit show that was such a huge um space of I don't know toxicity because basically Mm. all of these voices in the world will tell you like they are trying to tell you who you are but like it's up to you to tell yourself who you are and to surround yourself with people who can speak that into you because I was believing everything I read on the internet about that and it was it was heartbreaking it like really took me out for a good like three years just just the concept of having saved myself from marriage and like if that was the right choice and if I was actually making that choice for myself and what that meant so I think also talking about saving yourself from marriage like it's such a personal thing and I just if anyone's listening out there who's like that is my choice and I feel really passionate about it like that's a really hard to walk to go on for me what I had to unravel was was that actually my choice or was this Mm -hmm. something that I felt like I needed to do in order to receive love and acceptance from a community can we drill into like the themes that are coming up for me and I obviously have such a personal connection to some of this stuff. So even when you're saying like these experiences, be it this one or experiencing tarot or just like looking beyond Christianity and going, mm-hmm. you know, what do I align with? What do mm-hmm. I not? And I understand not even not being able to like see beyond that lens, but like there being, you know, negativity or like demonic like mm-hmm. occult like whatever labels tied to it so I'm I'm curious if that was fear coming up for you mm-hmm. or like programming or like what were the things that you would tie to maybe keeping you from experiencing mm-hmm. these things before mm-hmm. that's a good question because I think in inherently I've always been someone who is more curious about that type of thing anyway but what had happened to me specifically was I was involved with this youth group and I had um, a mentor who was really spiritual and she she could channel a lot of what she said was like God speaking so she became the voice that I looked to like I was like she knows everything she's incredible and she has like the key to the world is like what it felt like and I had these mentors people who are older than me and I was probably like 16 at the time just telling me that like no if I were to engage with substances I would be allowing like forces into my life that would just reel my life like mm-hmm. there was fear-based teachings that I was taught for years growing up in high school and so I really separated myself from like the party scene and from you know things that typical adolescent people would love and be rebellious with but because there was such a huge fear-mongering story held over my situation and I'm just you know sensitive girl like I believe everything so and honestly I'm pretty naive like you could tell me that there was something on the ceiling like I don't know Aladdin's up there like flying on a carpet and I'd be like oh my god like I just it takes me a minute to process to really gather my thoughts and yeah I don't know when you were a teenager 
and you're listening to these people saying, if you do these things, it's going to lead you down these bad roads or it's going to give you this, Mm -hmm. you know, negativity in your life or whatever it is that they're telling you. And now you're staying away from those things. Are you like not experiencing any negativity in your life or like when you are experiencing it, are you immediately being like, what bad thing did I do? Like, how are you integrating Mm -hmm. that narrative into your life at that young age? I think that's the thing is like, there was all of this conversation in the world I was in about darkness. And it was like, if you watch this TV show, you will experience darkness or like you will have really bad dreams, like something tangible like that. Or I would go to church services all over Calgary and and I'd have different teachers say like, if you um, engage with this movie, then you will have a dark spirit attached to you. Like literally tangibly over your shoulder so you will you start to believe this really fear-based rhetoric and I think that was maybe just the style of church that I was in because that's definitely not the style of church that I grew up in right like oh interesting it yeah it was it was a very um like hyper charismatic I like to call it charismania um charismatic place and I I just bought in I just really wanted I really wanted to chase that feeling of feeling seen and Mm -hmm. I think I had felt that so entirely like the first time I had that prophetic word over me I felt so Mm -hmm. seen for the first time and I just wanted that and I was like oh I fully believe in this so Mm -hmm. if I fully believe in this then I have to be all in and so it took me a while to like get to the point where I was like wait a second Maybe it's okay if I don't believe this Hmm. and maybe Hmm. the world's not going to fall apart. If I can pry a little bit into your life, your childhood, whatever, because I have this conversation um, with people in my life, right? Um, I dabbled in the church world. I didn't grow up in that space. I did not. um, Yeah, I didn't grow up there. Um, And when I was in that space, I was really questioning a lot of the time I was like, well, this does, I don't feel good about this. Like mm-hmm. that doesn't sound like something that I would want to, you know, share with people in my life, these kinds of things. And so um, the conversation that I've had with people in my life, you know, post that experience is like, it seems that you either are in like religion because you're looking for something or you mm-hmm. were kind of like put in that space before you knew what was going on. Right. Right. Um, and so I guess I'm wondering, like, did you grow up like not feeling seen and that's what, why you were chasing that? Or was it after that one experience that you were like, whoa, I want more of this, like chasing mm-hmm. a high that you can never quite get the same high as the first time mm-hmm. type vibe? Like where does that land for you? Mm. For me, it was like I had left my parents' church and I was at a more charismatic church and I never experienced that like channeling moment where someone is like, God is telling you this or like God is telling you this is who you are or like this is what you're meant to do. And so as soon as I was standing in the circles and and to paint the picture a little bit more, like I basically attended this church service. We afterwards went and like had a prayer circle and the people that were leading it, they were they were like predicting things about people's lives in a really like kind of eerie way where I was like, that's true. That's true. This feels like a horoscope. Like this is so eerily true. And so it was that experience for me that like put me over the edge where I was like, I fully believe in this. And so even though your experience is like seeing those two different camps of either you're born into it or you go and you find it. Like I felt like this was like kind of an amalgamation of both where I was born into this, but I, 
I didn't really feel like it was real until I started to see those tangible pieces of like what I consider to be evidence mm. or like confirmation bias, right? That really made me like, maybe like, okay, this is it. And I also was in a circle of people that were having similar experiences. So I was in an echo chamber. And when mm. I went to YWAM also, like everyone's experience was the same as mine. So, so it wasn't weird. Like it was these tangible spiritual things become this like evidence, this mounting evidence towards this experience that people need to go through in quotations to be saved. Mm. And so I felt that desperation because that's why I was taught. Mm. Mm -hmm. Do you resonate with the term deconstruction? I do. I do a lot, but I feel like the chapter for me is over. Like I think I'm deconstructed. Mm. I know it's supposed to come like it's not binary, but I do. Yeah, I do have a podcast on this, on deconstruction, but it kind of stopped talking about it because I was like, oh, I feel complete. Okay, so walk me through that. So you start to pull at this one thread because you're unraveling purity culture. And I just feel like so much starts with sex. Like I really do. And especially for young people, especially, and you and I have chatted and maybe we'll get into it. Like not only were we in that world, but we were leading other young people in that world, right? So that's an aside. Let's table that, come back to it. That gives me like heart like that just I well, can't. we don't have to we don't have well, we to, can't but we can't but you know let's come back to it if yeah. we can um okay. okay so you pull at this one thread and now yeah. like sitting here today you're like I'm deconstructed how did you decide like did you it, this sounds like a trite question did you go into this with the intention of like I'm blowing this up and I'm gonna prove everybody wrong or I'm just curious like what do I believe about what do I believe like what was your intention I guess starting this process yeah I was invited to be on a podcast to talk about creativity and it was great I got on it and I really felt so excited to be on a podcast it was the first one I'd ever been on and I just was excited to share my story and all the questions were around creativity I stepped out of that podcast feeling like that was great, but like that's not the story that I have inside of me. I also recognized that this story that I had gone through wasn't something that I shared with anyone. It was something that was buried in me for years and years. I'd gone through all of these really wild experiences that I, that I thought would isolate me if anyone knew, but I mm-hmm. really felt like I wanted to get it out of my system. So I had that. And I had this manifestation list, things that I wanted to do or things I wanted to be like experience. And I wrote down a podcast episode where I can share my like spiritual story, like that whole thing. And I came to realize I was like, honestly, like no one's going to ask me this because nobody knows that I have this story or like that I went through this and might as well start my own little audio journal. Um, And so I took myself out on this two day a vacation to Cochrane of all places because there was a tiny house and it was Cute. cheap and I'm I was broke and I was like you know I'm going to record this in its entirety so at least if I don't even if I don't publish it it's out of my system and it lives somewhere because I'm forgetting details and I I can't I can't really forget details about the story it was such it's had such a huge impact on me so I went out there I recorded it um, and then I posted it. And 
the response was good, but and then I was like, okay, so nobody thinks I'm weird. Like it's it's fine. <laughs> that was like my biggest concern. Um, and I just kept on starting to do different episodes where I had a curiosity about um, what people thought about my situation. So I felt like the podcast was my experience. It was like my set time to think about specific questions of things that I'd gone through. Like the first episode when I put it out there was really like, I don't know where I'm at with this, but this is like the story that I carry. And then as I had interviews with people and started to talk to people and go down different rabbit holes, I started to articulate and find my own understanding of what Mm. I'd gone through. I also then was outside of an echo chamber. I stopped attending church at that point. And I had all these new people to bounce my thoughts off of and receive affirmation for, oh, no, you're not weird for going through this. You're not alone for having gone through this. And I didn't feel like what I was interested in, which was like finding these more esoteric, occultish um, pieces of the world that I hadn't explored, like that wasn't as taboo because people in my community were also on the same path. And for some reason in 2020, every single person and their dog decided to deconstruct. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, for me, I definitely, I didn't feel like I was riding the wave behind. I felt like I was genuinely like just doing my own thing. And all of a sudden I was like, maybe the algorithms are just showing me everyone who's like in my same headspace. But no, like there were uh, sociology things that were happening in the world that were making Mm -hmm. people really think about what they believe and what matters to them. And Mm -hmm. we had this wave of deconstruction. It's interesting that you bring up the the fact that everyone kind of jumped on the same bandwagon at the same time. And I do attribute that a, a lot to like everyone having this massive scare, right? Of like, oh my God, what's happening in the world? Like what's going mm-hmm. on? The pandemic shifted things for a lot of people, obviously. Coming out the other side of that, right? Like so many people that I know personally were like mad. They were mm-hmm. mad that they grew mm-hmm. up in this in this echo chamber, in this tiny little box, not yeah. ex- seeing or experiencing anything on the outside. And like, I know people very close to me who as they started experiencing these things, they like realized what resonates with them more and what they believe in and have similar things to what you briefly touched on about like the anger for the things that they had done in the past Mm -hmm. when they believed something different and so now that you say that you've closed your deconstruction journey and you feel whole and you're in this new space Mm -hmm. and you're this new person as you had said earlier like do you have any resentment bitterness anything Mm -hmm. like that for being kind of like in a box before or have you closed Mm. all that did you ever have that that's a really great question as well um I think there is deep rooted like anxiety and resentment towards the whole system especially Mm. because for me it's really nuanced because my family of origins is Mennonite so there's a huge history there of coming over from from Russia, immigrating to Canada and needing needing Christianity to survive. So there is mm. this whole part of me that is a puddle when I think about that of like mm. love where I'm like, this was such a beautiful thing for my family and and Christianity has incredible things and Jesus is an incredible example of divinity. Like he he's an incredible guru, however you want to think about him. So it's what I come down to is something that Tara Tang taught me um, this way to view the world in a really, I don't know, 
in a more nuanced way than binary. And it's that in Western society, we love this or that, like it was good or it was Mm. bad. But she was like in um, indigenous communities, they believe in having always multiple truths to a situation. So it's like, okay, that was a bad experience. And that was also Mm. a good experience. And well, and you keep going because they can be multiple truths in the situation. So I would not change like anything other than it definitely stifled and stunted parts of my adolescence. And I think a lot of people who are unravel purity culture, especially up mid to late 30s to even older, I've seen, I have friends who are currently still very involved in purity culture in their early 30s and they're unraveling it. It's it's not an mm-hmm. age thing. It's mm-hmm. not an age thing. They're just like, I've lost years of my life to this like discipline that I've had in my life or um, this relationship that pulled me away from my body. I think that's one of those things that is probably one of the bigger resentments for me is my dissociation from my own body um, because of teachings of purity culture. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jill, you were quite involved in the churches that you were a part of. I remember you always like volunteering and being part of that like inner circle how if at all did your relationships change as you start to like pull this thread are you talking to people about it if you can share like even with your family like where how did that go where are you at now I feel and I say this to a lot of people who ask me this question they're always like what did you do with your friend circles how did you get out of these situations I was lucky because my unfolding was such a, it was such a gradual experience that I had pulled out of my church friend circles for like a period of five years, like very gradually without even realizing it before I was like, wait, I'm done. Um, I did work at, uh, at, at an agency that was run by people who were involved in the church community and every, like, it felt like everyone at that workplace was part of that. So, but at the end of the day, I feel like my intuition was strong enough to just kind of pull me out of these things gradually and to start to set boundaries. So I've never had to have really intense conversations about my beliefs versus Mm. a lot of people do have to have that because they're quietly unraveling in their brain, but they're still in their responsibilities or maybe they're in a marriage or maybe they're in some type of experience that knits them to the community versus I have always been a single Pringle. Um, I have always been a bouncer. I like to go and find people. And then eventually I was just finding other people. So that can be really challenging for a lot of people. I just feel like I got really lucky. So mm-hmm. even though you're so interconnected with these people, like you're working somewhere that then those people are also volunteering at the church and like you're in the inner circles in the churches as you're pulling back, even even slowly, even gradually, none mm-hmm. of those people are coming to you saying like, hey, you're not participating mm-hmm. in this this event or that event anymore. No one's asking you yeah. those questions. No one. No one. Wow. And I think – I know. I got lucky. I think it's because <laughs> too like in my working relationships, my coworkers – they knew their boundaries. They they knew their boundaries as my employers or as my coworkers. Um, Are those and boundaries of course you I would, set? 
I don't know. I feel like it's just like professional boundaries. Like I think I think they were values. Mm. I think they were values from where I was at where they were like, okay, like this is a workspace. We're not here to dictate your life. The other thing too is I think that I've always had really good friends, like even Mm. in the church world. Like I've had – I have solid – friendships with people who still consider themselves in that world um there's definitely been more tension and I think for me it is just a gradual like I don't know okay maybe this will be a good example I feel like I get the ick when um (laughs) I am no longer like adjacent with someone and so I just we just don't hang out anymore really it's just that maybe I'll see them once in a while can I ask a question do you feel like a project like do you feel like they're trying to save you um I have one friend that 100% I feel like is the situation but we don't Mm. hang out that much and that's more on me where I that's like my inner boundary and I mean it's been years and she's never said anything to my face to dissuade me maybe like once or twice small comments and I'm like that's your lane that's not my lane mm. and and you're saying it's that. just no it's just an inner like I think boundaries boundaries are really important but I think you can set boundaries internally and then act on them energetically I think there's a point where you need to say things if it gets that way but you you turn your energy and I think that's what I was able to do um, in every situation. Hmm. Wow, good for you. That sounds- well, I have I do, I don't have the best boundaries in in life always, <laughs> but maybe in this situation, yeah. Well, just being able to like turn your energy even when it's like something that's like not really serving you, even if it's a friendship that's been around for a while or this or that, like it's such a great concept and such a like you know self serving concept for sure, but also like not always the easiest. I feel like me and many 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 other people have a hard time like leaving a situation that they know even if they're not comfortable in it anymore it's it's comfortable in that it's what you know you know what I mean and so Mm -hmm. sometimes it's hard to pull out of that so that takes a lot of like self um love I feel like and just like self-respect to be like you know what that's your lane and I'm not Mm -hmm. in that lane thank you I'm gonna turn this way kind of thing so good for you that's huge thank you thanks I was also really heavily involved in a dance community later during this transition. I had a huge network of other people to rely on. So I shifted my energy. Mm. I think that's Mm. another thing that people who, if their whole world is church and that's it, and they don't have any friends outside of that, that is a very lonely place. And that's a case for so many. Big time, especially when it's like, and, and that's the value I do see in it I feel like I'm at a place like as of last night okay Jesse and I are like having this conversation last night and I wanted to ask you like how do you not throw the baby out with the bathwater? and maybe you have and you're just like I'm done with all of this I don't believe in any of it and I feel like I'm still kind of sifting and like putting my anger yeah. aside and I'm finally starting to get to a place mm-hmm. where I'm like okay I can see this benefit or I can see the positive. And similar to you, I'm so fortunate in that some of my closest friends have come Mm -hmm. from that world. I mean, even Haley indirectly Mm -hmm. came from Mm -hmm. that world, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and so as much as there's times where I feel like I lost those years of my life, I also wouldn't be where I am. I wouldn't have what Mm -hmm. I have. I wouldn't know who I know had it not been for that. And so I see the benefit in doing life in community or doing life like with other people. And I know for us, like to pull out of that entirely, 
I'm like, how do people make friends in their late <laughs> 20s, early 30s? There have been times where Jesse yeah. and I have been like, do we go back just to meet people? Like just because it's like almost yeah. obligatory oh, that people yeah. are going to be nice to you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's like that's part of the whole draw of a community like a church is it's a it's a family. And like there's a reason yeah. why people say tossing the word family out loosely can be a red flag at times it's mm-hmm. it's beautiful right it's a it's a village but at the same time there are strings attached right and so I would say like for me I got lucky because I really followed my interests and I was interested in finding a dance community and that was amazing for me I found a, a whole group of friends that at first I didn't even really feel comfortable getting close with because I felt like I was going to lose my faith. That's when I started. I was like, mm. oh my God, I'm too scared to hang out with secular people. Blah, 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 blah. And my friend was like, don't do that. Just go have fun. So that that was a general thing. But I think I think as someone who's a um, manifesting generator in human design, there are certain principles in that design that really resonate with me. And one of them for MGs like myself is that I need to follow what lights me up. And there's always connections in that path, right? When you follow things that you're interested in, you'll, fi- you'll find people with commonalities. So that for me is always a guiding light. Um, I've developed friends in the design world, in the art world, in the photography world, um, just by going to places that are zestful and full of life. But churches are great for building, finding community. And so that's if, if you are deconstructing, if that is something that you don't feel like you fully align with, that can be really hard to pull away with because it's a really big church mm. group experience. Yeah. Family experience. Totally you know so much about yourself, right? Like the human design and like I follow my interests and all these things. And I imagine when you were still in that, you know, like church bubble, you didn't have a language for that kind of thing. And it was more just like, I like this. I'm going to go after it type vibe. Mm. Is that, is that fair to say? Yeah, I think so. I think like definitely over the past couple of years, human designs popped up. There was always a huge emphasis though in the churches that I was in a part of in some type of personal development. So were these like qualities about you that like, you know, following your interests and being creative and being passionate about things and being like seemingly confident throughout your whole life in like who you are and like how you can operate in the world. Were these things that were trying to be quieted in you or were these things that were being like exploited for the benefit of like, mm-hmm. obviously you're in these inner circles and you're serving so much mm-hmm. And how did that make you feel about yourself? I think like when you can look out and zoom, if you are deconstructing, if this is your story, and it might not be, right? If you can zoom out and be like serving was exploitive for me. I think a lot of the times like when I served, I felt like genuinely like I was there to help. Um, And I think like I didn't really offer too many creative services to the church world specifically, but I always went to things for the energetic exchange of community for service like I was like I'm here for wing night I will host whatever I'll do coffee so I'm here and I'm like seeing people I think that was the exchange that underneath it all I was looking for but it's it's really strange to like peel back the layers and then consciously be like this is how I felt like used or exploited because for me my unraveling was so much around um these negative charismatic experiences that I had, they weren't so much around me giving, but I can see it now. Like I can look back at at the past, not even 20, like 30 years of my life because I'm 30 now. 
And I can see areas where like I've been trained to not advocate for myself financially. I've been trained to approach life as one of the gender roles entail, like domestic labor. There's so much to unpack there as a, as a female in the church. Purity culture, purity culture, like where do you even begin with that? That was that was such a huge thing that took so much from me. And then I went to Hillsong in Australia to visit a friend and I got to witness the exploitation of labor. At YMWAM, I also was exploited for labor. Um, and I would have given it willingly because that was part of my program. But when you start to look back at it, um, and yeah, the situation I was in was exploitive for labor. So yeah. How does that resonate for you at this point where you're like, I like, obviously I can, and correct me if I'm wrong. It seems like there's like a bit of like almost sadness or something in there to know that that was your experience and you're, you've closed that chapter. Yeah. I think there's definitely some sadness, but I, I also, it's just weird to me because this is just like genuinely, like, I feel like my experience with humans in the church was always so genuine, right? Like mm. people were like, come and serve because we need, we don't have the money. We have to gather everyone together and like set this up together. And I was like, yes, I understand that. And to a degree, I still understand it now. I'm like, yeah, nonprofits that need assistance and volunteering is such a beautiful thing. And so I don't know, it's, it's hard. It's not a binary. I feel like there's parts of me that were like, wow, like that wasn't great. And then there's parts of me, like I would do it again. I would go and offer to set up an auditorium with you. Not that I, I didn't actually didn't do that very often, but in what parts, like as a youth leader, that makes sense. There's like a purpose to it, right? Like there's something that made me feel fulfilled as well. Or um, mm. like I had a position of power even, mm. which is a weird thing to think about because now that all the things that I taught, I no longer believe. I'm like, I told people that. Okay. So you've brought it up. So I'm circling back. Okay. <laughs> How have you reconciled this, Jill? Because you did, right? You were a youth leader. I don't know if it was your experience. Like one of the things that was often on me as the youth pastor's wife was like, if a girl showed up to any, you know, community event that we were at and wasn't dressed appropriately, I had to be the one to give correction and I yeah. had to be the one to make mm -hmm. sure she changed or what have you. Yeah. And as you know, like I'm a pretty hardcore feminist. And so it was yeah. always with like gritted teeth, mm -hmm. but at the same time was like, you know, I, I'm struggling to reconcile the role that I played in doing things that I didn't agree with, mm -hmm. but also I would stand up for behind closed doors. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I was not quiet about that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But now zooming out and going like where we're at now, like not being involved and going like, oh, who did I impact and how did I impact and I did know. I contribute to people like similar to your experience? Absolutely. Yeah. I, there's no way that I didn't. Like we were yeah. involved with hundreds of youth's lives that are young and impressionable mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. never from a place of dishonesty or intentional manipulation. Exactly. I just, oh, I... It gives me. Ugh. It's such a weird thing for me to think about because I had I I wanted to go to YWAM so badly for a couple of reasons, and one of them was someone I really respected had gone to YWAM. 
after I came home, after a couple years, um, there was a woman in the deconstruction world, and I don't know if she's still doing this, but she had an Instagram called Do Better Church, and it was anonymous accountability um, mm. submissions that she would post. And I shared my story of spiritual abuse on that platform. And this person who I admired went and found my post and he knew it was me because the story and he messaged me after and he was like oh my gosh I resonate with your story so much this is exactly what happened to me at YWAM and I did not have the words but the thing is he came back after his YWAM and had told that he was like part of this chapel service and was like this is what happened to me my YWAM it's such a great experience and that's when I was like I want to go he hadn't unraveled his experience but he essentially encouraged me to go and then I went and then later he's like wait we -hmm. had the same experience of abuse and Mm -hmm. I think about all the kids that I have had to be the modesty police for at camps I'm still a weird modesty police like it's so weird I don't mean to it's probably very ingrained in me I like saw this girl wearing these really short shorts the other day and I was like short shorts like it's so part of- you said something no 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 it's sorry okay. I didn't in my head I was like oh my god those are way too short and then mm. I have to be like wait where is that coming from because I actually love her shorts she can wear whatever her- she wants she should be empowered to and I should be empowered to wear whatever I want but like I've had all of these stories where I had to correct kids behavior and my own behavior for the church and it just it makes you feel sick because you're just just like I did impart this to someone and they're out there in the world still with these memories Mm -hmm. dictating how they operate in the world Ooh, it gives me the chills um Mm -hmm. yeah it makes me feel gross it's hard I don't don't think I can reconcile it like it's just weird how do you like let's zoom back into to just Jill for a second like you had this experience the other day you're mentally going whoa short shorts and then are you like immediately, is it like your very next thought is like, wait a minute, who cares? She can wear whatever the fuck she wants, blah, blah, blah. Like, are you immediately making that shift? Like, how are you? Cause you're saying it's so ingrained in you. That's why you think that way. So that's like a different Jill. That's like little Jill. Right. And so yeah, when you yeah. have that thought, what are you saying to her in that moment? If anything, mm, that's a good one. Yeah. I definitely, in this situation, it was the exact thought process that I just gave you, which was those are too short. Wait, this is like a past thing popping Mm. up for me and then it comes in but what do I actually think about this and so I think that is uh the deconditioning story because it's not just the church world that talks about females bodies right like and how we cover ourselves so you're like okay well maybe I would represent myself in a different way but why is there judgment here like what yeah it Mm. it always asks you the question to go deeper and I think in these situations where you have these things pop up if you have the time and space to, to do the work, which I think a, an easy way to do the work is to start asking why, why, why. You're going to get down to a belief like mm. that you have like a neural pathway ingrained in you, a conditioning that you wired. And you're going to feel if that is correct for you or not. And in mm. this situation, it's not correct for me. And it's it's a feeling for me. Mm. Mm. Just for shits and gigs. Let's say that one of or many, any of those kids whose lives you impacted by the modesty correction or whatever the situation is, if they were listening to this, what would you say to them now, knowing what you know? It's so loaded. But I think I would say 
make sure you follow your authenticity in your choices. Just feel the freedom of what it is to be on this earth and to be a part of this earth. And I would just say, just remove those conditions as much as possible. Obviously, I would say I apologize for like Mm -hmm. reinstating these beliefs and for making you small, making you operate Mm -hmm. smaller in the world. I think there's a difference between policing someone out of like you're concerned that they may not feel comfortable with what they're showing. Like maybe they have like a clothing malfunction and you're like, oh my God, like, can I help you? Mm -hmm. That's like a different situation. But Mm -hmm. it's, it's that like making people smaller that I'd love to apologize for. That's beautiful. Can I ask a question to the both of you since you had, this is a shared experience for both of you. Sure. I would really love to know Aaron's like very forthcoming with like her you know upset about having been in this situation and Jill it seems like you also are pretty pretty in that boat and so I guess Mm -hmm. I'm wondering like back then in those moments where someone comes to you and is like hey you need to go talk to so-and-so about this thing you know like Aaron was saying it's like behind closed doors she's like not with that but then she's Mm -hmm. the one that has to go do the thing right yeah so what what's the mental process there and how do you like talk yourself into going and having that conversation knowing that that's not what you stand for like is it because like your faith was bigger than like you in that moment or what's the mental process there you go first Jill (laughs) okay I was like I want to hear what Erin says Um, (laughs) um I think I was so convicted that my purity was contingent on my modesty and that those people around me was as well. Wow. So for me, I didn't really feel like it was wrong for me to tell someone to not wear short things because I'd read all the books. I don't even know if this was the content in the book. I think it was. But I read this book where it was like, men see boobs, but they see your boobs, but way bigger, like a perception thing. So I just, I remember like believing all these weird things about like how men saw females. And I remember in the book, it was like, if a man sees a bra strap, he's immediately imagining a boob. <laughs> you know, we're like, hello. <laughs> um, I, I remember being taught these things. And so I believed them. I like fully was like, okay, like if, a seven-year-old man saw me with my bra strap and he sees my boob. He thinks I have big, big titties (laughs) and like he's imagining my tits and he's sexualizing me. And so in order to protect myself and to protect these girls from being sexualized, they need to cover up. And so when girls are wearing really short shorts and you can kind of see their butt, I'd be like, oh my God, like, let me help you go change your shorts. They don't want to change their shorts because they're 12, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I... Yeah. um, And that bleeds over to me. Like it took me years. This is so funny. I started dancing when I was 22. Um, It was a really incredible way for me to start a deconstruction journey, actually, because I was very disassociated from my body. And I wore like sweats and like t-shirts, like big t-shirts for like a good two years. Everyone in class, belly shirts, sport bras, like spandex shorts. And I'm like, that's a lot of skin. It took me a really mm. long time to feel comfortable with my body mm. to do that as well. And now I'm like, whatever. This is great. Like, <laughs> I don't want to be hot. Oh. I want to look good when I dance. <laughs> <laughs> or just be comfortable yeah, in a setting right. that you're yeah. in. If it's yeah. hot or if you're swimming, oh, Jill, my heart just like aches for you. 
because my experience could not be further from that. Oh my gosh. But also just like, oh, I'm just so sorry that, and not to like, I'm not trying to like pity or like bring anything to your experience, but just to like believe that there's something so inherently wrong with you and that that's your job to protect yourself. Like, and that's, that's the thing that would send me. And so I feel very por- fortunate that I grew up in a very empowering household, but I was also attended. So my family wasn't Catholic, but I attended a Catholic school system. And so it was very natural for me to have been involved in this. Like typically I was the one getting policed, right? For like, mm-hmm. whatever. My mom though was amazing at like, you know, understanding culture and trends, but like she still had a level of, I think kind of what you're talking about, Jill, but she was also just like, do you respect yourself? Like whatever that looks like. Right. And if we were like, yeah, I do. Then she'd stand behind us when we were getting called into the hallway to like change into our gym strip. And I like remember Mm -hmm. her going to bat for us a number of times. So Mm -hmm. fast forward the picture. Now I'm a youth pastor's, you know, girlfriend, fiance, wife. So anytime somebody would say that to me, Haley, my first thing was why? Like, this is dumb. This is ridiculous. Like, typically, it's when we're at camp. It's like 30 degrees outside. Yeah. We're playing sports or we're going swimming. And I'm just, like, big on equality. And so I'm like, my girls will wear T-shirts when the guys put T-shirts on. Like, nipples mm. are nipples. And, like, my girls aren't out here with their nipples out. Like, mm-hmm. this, yeah. you know. And so for me, there was definitely pushback. Um, But I would go along with it because I understood it as the conditions and rules of being there. And so much like you'd go into a store mm. and it's like no right. shirt, no shoes, no service. My kids typically, and this is what was hard, was that we were very much in, like, uh, 95% of the youth group were community kids they weren't church kids their family like didn't go to church like it was an activity that they would go to right I know for a fact that some of my girls that would oh and it still chokes me up that would come that was their only bathing suit and so Mm. I would have to pull them aside and go like hey like we have like we've got to put a t-shirt on and uh, so I would typically always wear a t-shirt myself even if I had a one piece on like I would Mm. do whatever I could to like Mm -hmm. but I would say to them and they're like why this is dumb I'm like I know it is dumb. And I'm so sorry. I do know, I don't want to paint this picture that I was like, you know, the perfect youth leader because there were times that I would probably, I was never intentionally trying to shame anyone, mm-hmm. but similar to what you were saying, Jill, like, I'd be like, Hey girl, like I can see your bum. Like we can't do that here. Or like, Oh, mm-hmm. like, tummy's got to be covered you know and they'd roll their eyes and like fortunately I think I had a decent relationship with a lot of them but Mm -hmm. it sucked it sucked no matter how Mm. you slice it fuck it's so infuriating that stupid fucking narrative that like it's our job to make sure that all these boys are comfortable and that they aren't getting any ideas in their brain because guess the fuck what you can be in a big t-shirt and still see some titties and you know that they're gonna be like "Uh oh here we go and that's on them that's on them bro yeah don't like the narrative though that it paints on those boys because i don't think every man every male every boy is out here with a predatory thought no 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 Right. No. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be predatory, right? Like it's it's literally also just like human 
nature also that we're going to be like attracted to other people's bodies because we're fucking human beings. So like that whole thing of like, mm-hmm. oh no, my bra, like a totally bad. And I'm not putting this on you at all, Jill, but like that thing of like, oh, I'm going to see a bra strap. Now I'm going to think of a boob. Now I'm going to like be having a thought process and like be turned on and like whatever. Guess what, babe? Human nature. Okay. And yeah. like, especially at that age range, like, and I'm not saying go out there and just be like humping everything you see. That's not what I'm <laughs> saying. Okay. Like I'm yeah. not promoting that, but I'm just saying like, also uh, again, regardless of if you can see a bra strap or if you're wearing a big t-shirt and you just happen to be bigger in the chest. And so you can see that like yeah. Yeah. out, outdent whatever like the you know like yeah the outline of it all the outdent of it all like they're still gonna have that thought process because that's the way humans are hardwired and by the way that goes the opposite direction as well it's not like women are just exempt to seeing a gorgeous body and not having a thought process like hello we're Mm -hmm. all fucking Mm -hmm. human beings so why is it all being put on women oh my god just send me on a tangent no it like makes me so upset because i feel like the the Things that have stayed with me because I'm like, okay, I can get, you know, purity culture is like off my chest kind of, right? I'm like, we're done with that. And then I'm like, modesty culture is like, you know, I I can wear wear whatever I want. Like, and sometimes I'm like, oh, it's not not enough skin because I'm, I got to push myself to like, I don't know, express myself because I have these thoughts, but it's, what's really stumped me is that I have a really difficult time viewing men as not predatory and it's probably why I'm like it's it's not why I'm single like I've had relationships with guys but I have this like overarching idea that I am I am like the prey to a man Mm -hmm. like I I feel like that and I think it's conditioning from the church like I think Mm -hmm. it is this demonization of men to me that these men Mm -hmm. are lustful you know assaulters like I feel like that has been put down my throat and it sucks because yeah. we can't really have this conversation about purity culture and feminism without talking about toxic masculinity mm-hmm. because the majority of people that commit suicide in the world are men, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's a lot of teachings and suppression and like men cannot express themselves for so mm-hmm. many reasons and they're demonized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's such a jumble of teachings that have, yeah, just really – it's been really hard. I obviously have, mm-hmm. I've got male friends, I've dated men, I love men, but I do, when I meet a man, feel closed. And like, until we have that uh, rapport, and that's just a me thing, that's not an everyone, I don't think that's something that everybody necessarily struggles with, but it's definitely something mm-hmm. I've struggled with. Thanks for sharing, Jill. That's, I mean, I'm sure you're not alone in that. I can see the process to get there because you're right there is this demonization that happens from such a young age Mm -hmm. right like all of these talks around purity are typically (laughs) like 99% like men you know keep it together or here's what's wrong with you or here's how it's going to be so hard and then Mm -hmm. like you know the women's side is like but don't you dare make them screw up Mm -hmm. and it's just so it's so unfortunate because like I don't I can think of one guy off the top of my head where I'm like, mm, you fit that bill. But like, mm-hmm. I know so many good men and good young men that we used yeah. to like do life with. We're like, never in a million years would mm-hmm. I, but these teachings, yeah, they can be harmful on both sides for sure. Yeah. It's like, where's the trust? 
you know? Mm -hmm. Whereas the trust is gone. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just like when I meet men that I feel scared of for whatever reason, I always just like try and pretend that they're a kid. And I feel like it's so – and that I'm Mm -hmm. a kid. And I think when you think of little little boys, like how adorable are they? You just want to give them a big hug. Like Mm -hmm. are we not all just kids in bigger bodies? At the end of the day, mm. I think that's mm-hmm. that's been a really um, helping redeeming quality. And then, you know, just putting yourself out there and like getting to know people. Everyone's so mm-hmm. interesting at the end of the day. I feel like that's kind of when those um, fears fall off. But they mm. were planted. Those fears were planted in me. Mm-hmm. So. But it sounds like you are putting yourself out there and you are, you know, looking at that and analyzing that and like making moves with that. Yeah, I think it's important. I don't know. I also have a brother and I'm like, he's pretty great. So I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. I have good men in my life. Oh my gosh. And like, Jesse's a great example of men. I feel like here's the thing. I have so many girlfriends in relationships with incredible men. It's just the way the church like painted men to me as fearful. And then you get to know them and you're like, you're amazing. Very fair. Mm-hmm. Can I shift gears here? Cause yeah. we had touched on it earlier that your podcast had started as this deconstruction journey mm-hmm. and now you're deconstructed. What mm-hmm. is happening with flaws of attraction? Oh my God. Thank you for asking. So, okay. We talked about manifesting generators earlier about following your interests and the podcast is kind of dead right now it's been something that I had a lot of momentum for in the beginning and still love and care about so deeply Um, but it has not been as consistent and I feel like in human design for an MG you're really supposed to go out after what lights you up and as soon as something doesn't light you up you're supposed to go towards something else And I was like, I really hope that doesn't happen with this podcast because I just love it so much, but it has definitely slowed down. So I I think part of it is the shifting of what I want to talk about. Christianity and deconstruction is such an important topic to me. And there's a lot of people out there doing deconstruction style podcasts. Um, My podcast is more on the lines of healing modalities and exploring different ideologies and touching on Uh, deconstruction and spirituality but the season of my life right now is so focused on career Um, I transitioned out of my last job and I was like wait I have all these moving parts that I need to like focus on and so the podcast took a back seat unfortunately it's definitely something that I think we'll see more of in the future but the topics might just evolve with me a little bit flaws was like the best thing for my deconstruction having a project like that absolutely incredible um Mm. so right now it's kind of on a bender I'm excited to hear that it might come back though in this like evolution of like as you evolve and not constraining yourself to Mm -hmm. a box right because I think it's so easy to go similarly from this church world that's like your whole life to now here's this other little box and not limiting yourself to the possibilities there either I think that's Mm. that's really cool I like the Mm -hmm. concept of an audio journal I Mm -hmm. really like that yeah I do too we're just gonna call this an audio journal (laughs) yeah no that's what it initially was supposed to be like oh if like there's someone I really want to talk to or if there are expanders for me so people who I really want to learn from I will just do a podcast like everybody wants to talk on a podcast you know it's like Mm -hmm. so easy to get podcast interviews and it's such a great tool for expansion 
So that's where it started. And when it started to gain a little bit of traction, I was like, wow, okay, I should make this biweekly. Um, it works until you burn out. So for mm. me, I'm like, the next time I come back to this, it will be seasons because mm. I need starts and stops. It's something that I've learned for myself. That's something I'll carry forward into the next couple eras of my career is project by project, mm. just so that I can live in my human design, which isn't something I'm legalistic about, but I really do resonate with that um, following your interests until they're not interesting anymore. Mm. Sounds like creativity is really like the driving force of your life. Because if you're saying like going project by project and these kinds of things and like how you are saying that you've always been creative and you've always kind of just like lived mm -hmm. that way, it just sounds like that's kind of like what maybe not is most important, but it's up there in most importance is just like, mm -hmm. do I feel passionate about this? Which, by the way, everybody should live that way. Like, am I feeling good about what I'm doing mm -hmm. and all of that stuff? So you work in a creative space and then you have these side projects that are creative mm -hmm. what's yeah. going on what are you feeling creative about right now yeah. what's happening in Jill's world oh my god thanks for asking so I work at a beauty distributors I'm on the marketing team um, my background is in fine art and then in marketing and specifically graphic design photo and video I grew up like super on the internet, Tumblr kid all the way, Pixo, Neopets, coding, yes! everything. You did too? And no one fucking knows what Pixo is. Pixo! I ask everyone, everyone's like, what is that? I'm like, you guys Pixo. suck. You all suck. Pixo was my life. Like I I'm was so happy right now. Fully, I had a I had a website with a group of four girls and we also passed her on a notebook because we read Sisterhood of the Traveling Pants yes, and we wanted something stop. to pass around. So oh we, my and I, God. I have it here. But we would pass it around and then I built this website and I made everybody their own page. And so they would go in and edit their Shut own pages. Up. And then I was like, wow, I like coding. So I <laughs> I know I I'm started obsessed. applying for us to be like the best Pixo coder and we would like be rated number one on this thing and then we'd drop and then I'd vote us up. Like <laughs> I was so I was so into Pixo. Neopets oh like I spent all my life on the internet really got into Tumblr. And with Tumblr, I was like, okay, wait, modeling is really cool. And in order to have cool photos for like Lookbook, I don't know if you know lookbook.new, mm. but I was like, you need a camera. So I ended up borrowing my mom's camera all the time, eventually getting my own. Kind of found out that I was good at composing images and that it's easier for me to be on the side of the camera composing images. So like fell into photography video. So the like literally the past... 10 years I've been so lucky to work in the creative field that mm. is so many people's dreams and I always forget because it's just my life but over the past year because I made the transition from leaving a marketing agency that I was really passionate about I loved it there eventually it just wasn't a fit anymore and I transitioned to an in-house position at a beauty distributor where I do graphics photo video and I've been taking this course on the side through I Love Creatives, which is an incredible brand. If you haven't heard of it, they teach everything. And I started um, learning Squarespace web design. So the process this year and where my attention's been and taken away from flaws is in getting through this course um, and building a website for flaws, um, as well as completing a bunch of edits that I need to do for photos from mm. an incredible photo camp I went to last summer called Colourpop 
So it's my plate is stacked. My plate is so full right now. Um, I also have a side client who takes up eight hours of my time per week on top of my job there. So I'm like just at the brim of capacity and everything is exciting. But project by project is like the best concept for for creative like me. And especially if you can become a service provider and you know your pricing. I've also gotten really passionate about pricing. This is like so weird. I'm like very, very passionate about creatives pricing themselves correctly. So the past year has been a deep dive on that subject and I'm feeling good like spiritually I'm like I should probably go to yoga a couple more times and like you know but like every day I'm like I gotta code a little bit more it's so weird but here we are like a child and back to my child self I love it when I think of creative and like creativity like you're who comes to mind Jill and you're so (laughs) gifted Mm -hmm. at it like if you were yeah ever on your own. I think if anyone needs a photographer or videographer or web designer or graphic designer, like there's nothing you can do. I just like DM you constantly. I'm like, holy shit, did you make this? Like, holy shit, how did you come up with this? Or like, where did you find your inspo? I should like dedicate, I have so many screenshots from your stories. This is so creepy. I love it. Of stuff that you do and put together. And I just need to like make a folder that's like, inspiration because it's just, I have so much. No, I mean it. You're so gifted. And it's been really cool to see you channeling that into different avenues. And the pricing stuff just blows me away. Like these tens of thousands of dollars of like contracts that people are obviously entitled to. It's it's like a whole other world that obviously I'm not really a part of, but it's neat. Well, when (laughs) you enter this world, you got to protect yourself because of being a service provider, being a creative, it's energy it's an exchange of energy right so there's also something to be said for just creativity without service exchange you know Mm, absolutely I was gonna ask you Jill of like this confidence because we were talking about earlier like the contrast to like who you were in the church space to like how I think I've always seen you show up in the creative space and and Mm -hmm. you do you just exude this confidence of like you know what you're doing. I think you know that you're good at what you do. And I'm I'm curious if that's developed over time or if it's just kind of radiated out from that space for you into all aspects of your life now that mm-hmm. you've been through this process. Okay. I, I think the example that comes to mind is like, if you make mac and cheese, like a lot of times, like you can, you can do it with your eyes closed. Right. And I think mm-hmm. it's that the confidence just kind of grew um, from being in the creative kitchen that's yeah. just you do it enough and you're just like I know I know the piece, pieces there are creative things that I'm not confident with one being choreography I can never get in like that's like a whole genre or like any type of performing art is gives me a lot of anxiety it's really <laughs> difficult very stressful um and so I don't always have the most confidence. I have a lot of imposter syndrome in those spaces. But when it comes to visual, I was always praised from a kid for being a good artist. And I think that helped garner that confidence as well. Very neat. Very neat. My dream, Jill, is that Haley and I both make our way out to you and we can do a, a stupid cute shoot because I know you oh, would that would just be so fun. Knock it out of the park. Yeah. So you good. guys do an incredible job with your branding. Thank you. Aaron. It's all Aaron, Thank baby. Thank you very much. Yeah, you slay. Oh, mm-hmm. I appreciate it. That is all for me, Haley. Do you have any final 
questions yeah why don't i already follow you on all social media and how can i do that (laughs) well my main account is j.t.t.v jttv with periods in between if you needed to hear that again um (laughs) it is it stands for my name with television at the at the end so it's like okay jillian tranquilla television because i love video video is like my baby cute i didn't know Um, that yeah and and then if you want to follow me for professional things for pers- like maybe services in the future I don't know you want to see my photography it's Jillian Tranquilla and that's my photography portfolio on Instagram and stay tuned for a website Woo-hoo. amazing oh and join me on flaws you can listen to 32 hours of unsolicited Jill I love it. It's so good. The episodes are incredible. And so I selfishly, not so secretly want them to come back, but protect (laughs) your energy. Your schedule is very full, but you do a great job at it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us, Jill. Thank you guys for having me. This was so fun. So grateful to be asked and to be able to be vulnerable. And I hope things that I said were insightful. And if anything was offensive to anyone, I apologize. Take it and, you know, unravel it as you will. And I will see you guys soon. Appreciate you. Thank you. Um, Okay. Blown away. Blown away. Mainly like that she knows and loves Pixo. I literally, my heart started <laughs> soaring. I was like, finally, somebody that understands me. God damn it. I'm just nodding. Like, yeah, yeah. You still like, have cool. no idea. You're like, I've heard of Never this heard because of Haley no, asked me. Yes, I've yeah, asked just you. Just because of you. Just because okay. of you. You're the only Thank person you. in now and Jill. I've never heard. And I was like a pretty big internet girl myself. So yeah, Pixo was the shit. I'm sorry you weren't there. Was Pixel pre Nexopia? You know what? I don't know because I was never a Nexopia queen, so I'm thinking it was okay. post. But I okay. don't know. Should I look it up? Let's look it up real quick. <laughs> the timeline, because there was like MySpace, right, which was kind of way before us, and then there was Nexopia. I thought, which I wasn't allowed on, and no, then, no, and then there was Tumblr, which is apparently oh, back. Is it? I didn't know apparently. that. I did not know that at all. Hold on. No, there's. it doesn't say. This is just all about like what they were. Like, no, no, no. I'm asking you, was it first or not? Mm. When will Facebook become the new Nexopia? Oh, my God. Oh, Wait, no. what was Nexopia? Nexopia was like MySpace. It was essentially just like a page. Oh. Again, I wasn't allowed it, so I'm not super familiar with the inner workings. But you could like post your music you were listening to. It was like... Oh yeah, that's very personal website. That's very much like um, Pixel. Oh my god, they were both founded in two thousand three. No way. Two thousand three was a wild year. Oh my god, for the internet. Nine. You were like six, weren't you? Yeah, but I was like big on this um, in elementary school, like later elementary school, like grade four or five. No way. Yeah, man. I'm like looking at sample sites. It looks very much oh, like Pixo? Nexopia. Yeah. Oh my god, Nexopia headquarters is in Edmonton and Toronto. I did Who not know it was that. a Canadian situation. I'm always so curious, like what's gonna be next? Right. What's the next hot thing. Oh my god. Any woozle. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, anyways, anyways. Um, 
it, I loved her as always. I love everyone that you introduced me to. And um, she had a lot of good stuff to say. Hey, like she is so articulate. She speaks so beautifully. I feel like I say every episode too that we're like scratching the surface with these people and I just want like all of my friends to be friends. Um, But I've really appreciated having Jill in my life and like she'd mentioned that whole Vancouver meetup that we did. Like I was very much pastoring and like just being able to like have conversations around like what is it that you're going through or like what is it that like, you know, you're pulling apart on and stuff and there wasn't this like combative or like judgmental about me you know being in the space I was in or me towards her or anything and yeah it's it's been a very beautiful friendship that I'm I'm very grateful started in a place that who would have thought yeah she her arc has been really interesting just even how she breezed past through everything in the beginning it's like you can still see the trajectory there and how things have changed and she doesn't like at all seem like a combative combative person like she just seems so relaxed so chill like you know what you take what you take what you want from what I'm saying and like I I don't know I just really like it's not like we weren't talking about big concepts or difficult things for people Mm -hmm. in their lives like these were these were big things and she was just like sharing with such ease but also Mm -hmm. grace and kindness and like authenticity it was just I don't know kind of refreshing to see because I feel like a lot of the time when you talk about deconstruction or these kinds of things it is a little bit more hard you know what I mean like she was very Mm. soft and sensitive about it which is exactly how she described herself in the beginning so it all makes sense but it's Mm -hmm. a breath of fresh air I think for sure and her podcast like a lot of the same of like getting you know different people's perspective I would love I would love so if the cuties know of someone who like went on a deconstruction journey but they didn't deconstruct <gasps> oh my god I would went back. love to talk to that person not Whoa. even like went back but just like and you know what I actually had a university professor was the head of religious studies and had said that he like went down this train because he was an atheist trying to like disprove it and then like landed there and so obviously people like that exist and Mm -hmm. like I don't know I'm always just so curious when like the current zeitgeist is like obviously like we said in 2020 like this very much became a thing for a lot of people I think it wasn't just you know the circumstances that we were in where we were all left with a lot of time to think about things but I think it was also how the church responded or didn't respond Mm. to stuff that was happening culturally that at least Mm -hmm. for people that I know a little bit for ourselves like really made us zoom out and go like whoa Mm -hmm. because at least for me I don't know. I don't know, Haley. I really don't know. I know there are people that want us to do a whole episode about this. And I really don't know that I want to do it Mm. because Mm -hmm. I don't, I was never comfortable being in a position where the things that came out of my mouth that people like help them as like Bible, like this is what I need to do, or this is what I, you know, what have you. What I love about Jill and like her experience and what she's sharing is all from her experience. It's all mm-hmm. her perspective, right? She's not sitting here saying like, oh, this is what I went through and here's why this is wrong and here's why this is wrong and here's why you shouldn't do this, right? Mm-hmm. She's just sharing like her life and like, yes, I could do that. I see your little brow. Furrowing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, you go off and then I'll go off, okay? And I, I'm very freshly at this point of seeing the good in it, seeing the positive in it. There are so many people in that world that I love and hold dear. Most of my closest friends 
have either intertwined, are still involved, are not involved anymore. Like what my husband went to Bible college, right? Like obviously that's going to be a big Mm -hmm. part of it. And so it's difficult, I think, to have these conversations, much like the whole conversation about like men and being like demonized, right? It's like, Mm -hmm. how do you have these conversations where yes, on one hand, you're painting like broad brushstrokes, but you're not trying to like take the whole thing down. Because I know there are positives. There are people in leadership who are genuinely good, right? And so it's like, how do you not lump that all together or the perception of it being lumped all together? That's what I'm wrestling with. Yeah. And like, I think you need to get out of your head a little bit lovingly. I love you so much. I love you so, so much. You're in your head right now because you're like, and yes, I could do that. Like, no bitch you could do that you could literally do that we just watched jill do exactly that like she just shared some (laughs) deeply vulnerable personal details that like could be seen as broad brushstrokes and like painting an entire community or group of people or whatever but she's not doing that and she's saying that this was my experience this is what happened to me this is and there is good for other people and these kinds of things and like the truth of the matter is that like this this whole thing of like two things can be true right like you get to share whatever you want in this space and like one of the things that's like most important to us is authenticity and so if you're not ready to Mm -hmm. share that guess what we're not sharing that yet you know what I mean Mm -hmm. because Mm -hmm. you have to be in a place to be willing to say those things and like that is the number one most important thing but also the other side of that coin right the other thing that can be true is that like you you had this experience and you get to share about it because that was Mm -hmm. your experience this is what you went through and like you get to share that in however feels comfortable to you and know that like whether you share everything all at once or you share little bits here and there or you don't share anything at all like that still happened to you that's still your experience mm-hmm. whether you put it on a podcast or you do not you know what I mean mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's just your experience it is it is I think I always feel quite comfortable with being like forthcoming with information and like personal details typically before people are asking for it and I know with this because of our anonymous dms and stuff that I know people are asking and I think it's what you're saying I think it's something that I'm not it's not something that I've really taken a lot there's been so many other big themes and stuff that's come up since we've left that world that I haven't actually spent a lot of time like looking at it and going like where where am I landing yeah, but you know, why do you have to have it figured out? Why do you like what what about the messy middle that we always talk about? Because no one like people like to this hear about that Jill, I was here, here. Oh my god. <laughs> you made it about you because you said, I don't know if I'm ready to share this. And also, can I ask one other question that sounds mildly like an asshole question? Uh-huh. Am I allowed to do that right We're now? We're here. <laughs> Just checking. The um, shoe bits. I love you so much. And I'm wondering why you think, see, I don't know how to word this in a way that doesn't just sound like straight up asshole. Why do you think that like- She's trying so hard. I'm trying so hard. Like I feel uncomfortable asking you this way because it sounds so douchey. No, it's going to be great. We're going to rip off the mandate. Why do you think that whatever you're going to say in that episode is like so important that people are going to like- rip you to shreds for sharing your experience or go the other way like you're saying like I don't ever want anyone to like take everything that I'm saying as like bible like why would anybody be doing that though 
I love I you. Because of the position that we were in. So I'm thinking about like youth that we were with from like five to 10, 10 to 15 that I don't know. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't, maybe there would be a lot of grace for people being people, but I saw from our perspective and not just, you know, with us, but with other people in positions of leadership, there is very much this pedestal or there is this belief that like, you know, you're not human, I guess. Right. And, but I guess I'm wondering like, if those people are listening to this podcast, and if they've listened to any other one of the episodes that you've willingly shared about your gym journey or mm-hmm. your, you know, any of these other, your mental health journey, like any of these other things, like why is that stuff okay to share when you were, you were in a position of leadership to these people and you are no longer in that position. So whether mm-hmm. you were a human or not in that time, you're not in that time. So now you mm-hmm. get to be just a human. And so if mm-hmm. they're taking all these things that you're saying about the gym or, you know, your mental health journey or what, what, like whatever you're talking about in any given episode, if they're taking or not taking all of that as Bible, why would this be any different when this is also just one facet of your human experience? She, she, nods. <laughs> she nods and she's like, yeah, so moving on. I'll give it some thoughts. I'll give it some thoughts. No, I'm just, like I'm I inspired said. by Jill. I'm inspired by Jill and how she has owned this space and, and being a space to like have, I think, okay, you know what? I think this is it. I'm going to leave this podcast and be like, no, and here's the CDE version of it. <laughs> I think the thing is, is that like, maybe I could have the episode and like, on one hand, I'm open to like having conversation with people that I'm close with. On the other hand, I'm not open to opening myself up to, we haven't even been open about it. And like some of the backlash and like messages that we've received, like since leaving has just been straight up ignorant and rude and Mm -hmm. hurtful and there hasn't been tons and so I don't want to like paint this picture that we're getting like slandered or anything but I think I'm just not I'm not open to that and so I'm trying to figure out like where is my boundary in like Hmm. whatever my faith or spirituality looks like and it being just for me it not being performative Hmm. it not being something that I have to spell or dispel to other people for them to like take and make their own like Hmm. And, and for whatever reason, that feels different to me than my mental health journey. That feels different to me than my gym journey. I don't know why. Hmm. I think this is my resistance with it is like, I don't know what that boundary is yet, but I know there's one there. Is that right. fair? Totally. Absolutely. Of course, that's fair. I think um, before I draw inspo from the things that Jill brought today in this conversation, like again, even you saying like, I want to keep this for myself and without other people taking it or making it their own, like a Again, I guess I just wonder like where you assume that people will automatically be doing that or why you assume that people will take what you say and then make it their experience or try to take what your experience was and turn that into their experience when maybe like like Jill was saying in the conversation, like sometimes people are asking these questions because they're looking for guidance because maybe they're mm-hmm. on the brink of deconstruction or whatever. And so they're seeking out a person that they know has already embarked on that journey and so Mm. I guess like I'm wondering where and why and I'm not directly asking you maybe this is a takeaway maybe not I don't know but like why you assume that people are asking these questions so that they can 
integrate that and like mirror that experience in their own lives. Mm. And then when you say about like figuring out your boundaries and that stuff, like I think that also inspiration can be drawn from Jill in like you can set an internal boundary and then shift your energy away from it. So where you're saying like, I don't want Mm. to accept that type of message coming through to me or whatever. Like, but you also don't have to, like you can, I need to work on that. When she said that, that. I was like, what? Right. I know. (laughs) You can do that. (laughs) Exactly. I felt the same way. Cause I'm like, okay, well that takes a huge amount of like self-respect and like all these things. But it's like, if those messages start coming through, you get to like turn that, and move away from that because you don't need to engage. you don't even need to respond to that you know what I mean I know if you're choosing not to engage in it and the other inspo that I wanted to bring back up that Jill alluded to I don't think she outright said it but she started her audio journal for herself like she wasn't even sure that she was going to put it out there or what but then when she decided to it was like as she was going through it still and she made it clear that like I haven't landed anywhere and these kinds of things so that same thing could also be done in your situation but she didn't do it until she was ready like she required I don't know what the timeline was between recording and then posting but it seemed like there was a little bit of time in there and so again going back to like our core value for super cute and also just as like individual human beings of like authenticity mm-hmm. and if you're not ready and it doesn't feel right great there are things that I'm I have publicly said in other episodes that like, yeah, I'm, I'm willing to share that stuff, but I'm not there yet. I have some work to do internally before I'm willing to share that. And that's just the way that it has to be, you know? So of course that's fair and you get to do that. So thank you. Get out of your head, my little love. (laughs) Well, I think with some of this stuff, I need to actually get into my head with it. And that's the thing I just Mm -hmm. haven't, I haven't done that. And so being able to set those like energetic boundaries, being able to like, decipher like what is this like it feels like something I put a big pause on and Mm. yeah so thank you as always for challenging me (laughs) (laughs) what I'm good at (laughs) you're very very good at it (laughs) and like honestly another huge thank you to Jill for just like coming so authentically so genuinely and so Mm -hmm. open-heartedly to just like share her experience was so great and like you know you're saying you need to get in your head like hearing this back I think will probably just bring up even more stuff for you and definitely for me too of like you know like you soak it in the first time but when you hear it back it really cements it you know be listening to this one 15 times (laughs) it was a great conversation (laughs) I'm so so grateful I'm always grateful to have these conversations and to like be doing this and you know we talked about expanders and these kinds of things today and super cute in general is is an expander for me I get to like have even just between the two of us like we get to have so many conversations and mm-hmm. you know the the entries that we get from cutie time and all these things like the cuties in general are just all expanders so thank you for being here cuties mm. thank you for being a part of our club and joining us week after week to hopefully be expanded as well. Um, We always love to hear what is expanding you or what you want to hear from us or who you want us to interview to hopefully continue on that expansion journey. So you are always welcome to send us an anonymous message through stupid-cute.com slash tea or you can always drop into our dms at stupid cute club on instagram we love to hear from you guys and honestly it makes our days to hear how you're moving forward in the world so join us there and as always we will see you next week for a solo episode just aaron and i chitty chatting 
as we love to do. <laughs> we love you so much. Mwah. Have a great rest of your week. Love you. Bye. Bye.